We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. And welcome back to another Wednesday episode of a pack a day podcast, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz and I'll be your host for today. And we're seven weeks into the season and it's we're sitting at six and one. So I don't know how we could ask for much more of this Packers team right now. Expectations were uncertain coming into the year. They're now sitting pretty high. Again, six and one, forty two to seventeen win over the Oakland Raiders on Sunday. And everything seems to be clicking offensively. That was the one of the questions coming into the season. 42 points, six touchdowns, all six of them contributed by Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to say that there's a whole lot of concern at this point for the offense. doesn't mean that it's perfect, doesn't mean that it can't regress, doesn't mean they're not going to have off days, but nonetheless, you should all be very excited about where this team is at. Uh, six and one, again, very exciting. This coming weekend, the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City, Big road test, and we'll get into that in just a little bit with some of the injuries, matchups, and whatnot. But uh, I'd like to welcome back to the program today, Jacob and Maggie. Guys, welcome back. Six and one. It has to feel good for you guys. Uh, I know, uh, Jacob, did you have the Packers at six and one? I know last week when we talked, you had them at five and one. So I'm assuming the Raiders weren't a loss on your on your list of, of wins and losses for the year. 
They were not. Uh, so I do have the Packers at six and one. The bad news that I have, which hopefully means I'm wrong, is that this is kind of where I saw the Packers starting to hit the skids a little bit. So I had them starting six and one and finishing nine and seven. So hopefully that is not the case. I think that they've certainly surpassed my expectations to start for now, but it was nice to see. Uh, the defense didn't have its greatest game, but then the offense came and Aaron Rodgers finished with the uh, only perfect passer rating in the history of the Green Bay Packers. And as the coach said, the old man was even able to run for a touchdown and throw the belt on for the fans, which is always a fun thing. There you go. Well, and you know, it's um, it, it's it's it, Sunday was a big day because they matched their season win total from all of last year, seven weeks into the season. So that's kind of a big deal given how the last two seasons have gone. So, but uh, before we get into anything Packers related, any football related stuff, Jacob, I got to ask you. Uh, last week, you put out a poll about uh, which starter Pokemon uh, do do people choose in the – and you just had it for the original, right? Blue and red, correct? Blue and red version, yeah, because yellow, you automatically have to start with Pikachu, which is kind of frustrating. Okay. Well, so how did that poll turn out? That poll turned out Charmander finished number one by a pretty sizable margin. Uh, Squirtle was second. Uh, Bulbasaur was a, a distant last behind Shut Up Nerds. So, <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah. appreciate that you put that fourth option in Shut Up Nerds. That was a uh, that was a good one. So Jacob, I got it. So we all got to know if you if you weren't part of the Twitter thread, Jacob, who was your starter that you vote would have voted for? Uh, I actually maybe uh, it's not the best long version uh, view, but I pick Squirtle uh, because I think it's a it's an easy way to win that first gym against Brock, and then when you go against Misty, it's it's water on water, so it's an even match instead of later. If you do Fire, for example, if you do Charmander, you're really going to struggle with Misty at that second gym because of Fire and Water. And Bulbasaur is boring, let's be honest. I, the only reason I have one of Bulbasaur is if I traded for one. So, um, But, yeah, I went with Squirtle. I went the short version, and then I'll find some of my fire and electric types and such later. There you go. And, Maggie, bringing you into this conversation, who did you vote for? Well, I the accidentally clicked Bulbasaur, <laughs> but I meant to click Squirtle. Um, because I agree with Jacob that you need Squirtle for the first gym. Um, but if I didn't take Squirtle, like if I did start with Charmander, because I mix it up occasionally – kind of a badass so you know i like to like to play my odds with both but then you you get a knight of ran and you teach him double kick and horn attack and then you're fine against brock anyway so all right well you know i i jacob maggie i'll be fully honest i don't actually <laughs> remember who i clicked on but i do remember reading in the comments i don't remember I don't remember their name, uh, but there was somebody that made a very good point about why you picked Charmander because of the th- of all the uh, level three evolutions. He's the only one that can learn fly, and that really puts him over the top. So I did agree with that. So I, I do like Charmander. Uh, Annie picked Charmander because he's like a dinosaur, and who doesn't like a dinosaur was her logic. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I I can't be held responsible for that view if you disagree with it. But uh, but Annie would die for Charmander. Uh, that list right. is that list is growing. <laughs> on, 
well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. It's just it's becoming concerning how many people that she would die for, and I still haven't made the list. So and fictional characters apparently. So she cares about a fictional dinosaur more than she does you. That's, uh... Yes. Well, yeah. Kylo Ren was added to that list last night after the really? uh, new Star Wars after the new Star Wars trailer came out. I don't. Yikes. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the the list is. I think Mason Crosby, Matt Lafleur, then Charmander, then Kylo Ren. I, I guess. Well, I, let's get something really straight on Kylo Ren here, real quick. When it comes to Annie, she is one hundred percent wrong about the relationship between Kylo Ren and Ray. Yes. Yes, yes. I, I I agree. <laughs> she lives in this uh, in this world where they end up together, and apparently she's never watched episodes four, five, and six. Are we yeah, going to put a spoiler warning on this episode? I don't so think, that like I, randos aren't yelling at us for Star Wars that's been out for like four years. That's true. Star Wars nerds are like a, and I'm one of them. So me, me too. Like, I I am one of them as well. They're a different breed of like. I mean, if you spoil anything and don't go into the theories and the concepts and everything that goes into it, that's where I become a regular go. fan. I, I stop yeah. at theories and concepts. <laughs> I can't pay close enough attention for that. So, all right. Well, that's our little bit of a long icebreaker intro. Pokemon <laughs> is awesome. If you disagree, you're wrong. I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, but anyway, so want to jump into a little bit of NFL news before we jump into the game this coming weekend. At this point, many of you probably know that uh, yesterday the Patriots traded for wide receiver Mohamed Sanu from the Falcons, which was somebody that the Packers and Brian Gutekunst were targeting as a potential trade option. That fell through. And then later on in the day yesterday, the 49ers traded for wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, another receiver on the Packers' list of potential receivers they wanted to trade for. From all of my understanding, Brian Gutekunst was trying his – well – was at least in on the phone conversations to try to trade for both of them. So it's not like Gutekunst is sitting on his hands not doing anything. And I'd also like to remind everyone quickly before everybody gets bent out of shape about Gutekunst not trading for players. Again, ultimately, Gutekunst could have offered whatever the hell he wanted. The Falcons and the Broncos get the final say on what trade they would like to take. So if for whatever reason they just didn't want to trade with Green Bay, they don't have to. So just keep that in mind as far as you know, Gutekunst maybe not making a trade. It doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't making good offers. Again, teams get to choose which trade they'd like to take. So let's talk about that real quick here. I know a lot of people were hoping to see the Packers make a trade for a wide receiver, and there's still about six days left. They still could make a move at the trade deadline here. Uh, but I guess, Maggie, I'll start with you. How likely do you think it is that the Packers at this point, given Mohamed Sanu and Emmanuel Sanders off the board, how likely do you think it is the Packers will make a trade for a receiver of note that might kind of, uh, to to phrase it very poorly, please fan, the fan base mm-hmm. of adding a what a lot of people would consider contending receiver? So that's tricky because do I think that it's possible they trade for another wide receiver? Sure. It could be another Ryan Grant type of player that either would have warranted a really late round pick or is a street free agent right now. Anyone not named Antonio Brown, do not flood our mentions with Antonio Brown. It's not happening. If if, if you do that, I will re-release my podcast on when he was released by the Raiders. No, in 40 different languages will be all that you get. Continue, Maggie. (laughs) 
But what I was going to say, if they don't sign for a wide receiver, whether they're notable or not, which I really don't think they will be, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they picked up someone else for maybe the front seven, not necessarily like an edge rusher, but an inside linebacker or um, a defensive lineman, depending on how long Kenny Clark's uh, injury lingers or maybe a tight end, someone that they could groom long-term, even though Graham and Lewis have stepped up and looked pretty good these last couple weeks. But notable wide receiver, probably not. Will they make a trade before the deadline? Sure. I just don't think it'll be someone that'll have fans like Giddy. Well, and, you know, I, I tend to agree. I, I will also say, too, keep in mind, this is not the Packers team that we're used to seeing in the sense that in the last – Seven, eight years, if you were going to make a trade at the deadline, I would probably agree that you should be looking to add a wide receiver. But keep in mind, this defense is really good now, and adding defensive pieces might be as valuable as adding another wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. It's hard for me to say that they for sure need another wide receiver when Aaron Rodgers just threw for 429 yards and five touchdowns, albeit against the Raiders, but still, it seems fine-ish right now. But, Jacob, I want to ask you here, because this is kind of the last big name on the board, and I appreciated your answer pre-show of what you gave. Uh, what... Uh, how likely is it the Packers trade for A.J. Green? It's not. The Bengals have said that they're not trading him. A.J. Green has basically said he doesn't want to get traded, and he's not going to be healthy until after the trade deadline. So I struggle to believe that a team is going to trade for an injured player, and I struggle to believe that a team that is notorious for being the Bengals, they're notoriously loyal to their people, and A.J. Green is definitely one of their people. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals give him a nice fat contract in this offseason too, just to just because he's been that guy for so long. So the answer is right around zero percent. Right around zero percent. So safe to say that we can just take the AJ Green trade off the board. Yeah, you can't even dumb and dumber hotkey this thing. Like there, I don't even think there's. I'm saying there's a chance. There's no chance of that. Uh, and going to receivers in general, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that if you were going to make a move for an impact receiver, that was something that had to be done between February and July. Uh, right now, trying to acclimate somebody to an offense, unless they have some experience in the offense, that's where Muhammad Sanu made some sense. Um, but nothing like, I mean, I'm not going to blame Brian Gutekunst for not giving up a second round pick for Muhammad Sanu. So I've got, I've got no complaints at the moment. I think if you're going to complain about them not adding a receiver, your frustration really stems from, not doing so in the draft, not signing somebody in free agency. But they're scoring points, they're winning games, and I agree with what you said, Nick. It's a little different different team. I mean, the play that they used to run to Jared Cook, where the two receivers block and the tight end runs that little flat route, they run it to Martellus Bennett, they run it to Jimmy Graham, they ran it to Richard Rodgers. They ran that play to Danny Vitale on Sunday, and I just kind of started laughing a little bit because he was running away from the linebacker. It's It's just funny because – Danny Vitale doesn't look like a player that should be a weapon, but he definitely was on Sunday. So Matt LaFleur is doing a very good job of creating weapons out of the players that he has. Absolutely. Well, I guess the last thing I want to touch on here quickly via trades uh, before we move on. So there's still, like I said, about six days left. Uh, trade deadline is next week, Tuesday at I think it's 430 Eastern time is the deadline. Uh, so there's still some time for Green Bay to make some trades. 
But at this point, I want both of your takes here. If Green Bay does make a trade, Jacob, is it going to be an offensive player or a defensive player? What is more likely at this point that Green Bay makes a trade for as far as the side of the ball is concerned? Uh, Defense, I think. And I think that you're looking at – Maggie mentioned some of the front seven. I think the defensive line, the interior, is a spot to look. Somebody said today that they didn't need to do that because they're stacked on the defensive line, and I don't agree. I think Kenny Clark is hurt. Uh, and that's hurt his production. Dean Lowry's had an up and down year. And after that, there's not exactly a guy on there that's really taken hold of anything. Uh, somebody that was mentioned earlier today is potentially available. And we can only really speculate so much as Leonard Williams, former top pick of the New York Jets. I'd be all over that. Um, obviously, depending on the price and all that stuff, too. But, I mean, that's that's just a name. It's speculation. I don't have any sources or anything like that, obviously. But that's a name. Uh, and I think that. I, I'm kind of with you, Nick. I think that would be more beneficial to this team because ultimately their ability or lack thereof at this point to stop the run is more likely to be a bugaboo in the postseason than unproven wide receivers. Uh, and I, that's, that's kind of what I think. So if they add somebody, I think it'll be, whether it's a defensive lineman, I don't think they'll add another linebacker just because I think they've shown they don't value that position. So I, I struggle to see them trading for one, unless Blake Martinez got hurt between now and then, knock on wood. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll say defense. All right. And, Maggie, from your from where you're sitting, more likely they add offense or defense? Yeah, I agree about defense um, pretty much for all the reasons Jacob listed. I think that defensive line is some place that could use some support. I know Kenny Clark is very likely going to get still a massive contract from the Packers, but they need some support around him. And I do think that B.J. Goodson has looked pretty good, and he's started to play much faster and much better as a run defender. But, you know, they lost Raven Green and they struggled. Um, So if they did look at someone that could maybe play hybrid safety inside the box a little bit as an inside linebacker, depending on how long Darnell Savage is out and whether or not they're confident rolling with Will Redmond for an extended period of time, maybe adding a, a safety who has that hybrid potential would be something that I would look at. Yeah, I and again, I tend to agree with both of you. I think at this point, I think it would be more valuable to add pieces on the defensive line, maybe a linebacker if you could. Uh, but I think again, it's it's weird to say as a Packer fan that like you're like one maybe you know one defensive player away from really solidifying your defense, and then Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily have to worry about who he's throwing to all the time because if you're not giving up points, all Aaron needs to do is score about 24, which should be pretty pretty simple for him. But all right, enough trade stuff. Let's jump into this weekend's game. Uh, Jacob, I know you said that you had this circled as kind of where the wheels fell off. Maggie, I'm I'm going to assume you did not at the start of the season have this as a win circled on your calendar, correct? I did not, but I also, you know, hadn't planned for the uh, Mahomes issue that we experienced on Thursday. So that, I think, kind of changes the trajectory of this entire matchup. Yes, my well, heart is broken. Uh, uh, that You don't sound so sincere? I, no, I'm absolutely – I. Patrick Mahomes is one of my favorite players in the NFL. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. With all due respect to Packers fans, please don't light me on fire as I say that, but <laughs> that is what I think at this point. Uh, and I wanted to see – I'm a believer in measuring stick games, and I think that the Packers' defense, you can find out – you can only learn so much playing crappy quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and 
Derek Carr and Mitchell Trubisky and guys like that. If you shut down Patrick Mahomes, that's the kind of guy you're going to have to beat if you get where you want to go. You know, you're not going to the Super Bowl and playing against Kirk Cousins. You're going and you're playing against Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or Peyton Manning once upon a time. Those are the kinds of guys you want to play. So I was really disappointed. That's bad for the NFL when a guy like that gets hurt. So yeah. I really enjoy watching him. Yeah, it, it, and it is disappointing. And it's one of those things where I'm sure many Packer fans are conflicted. You would like to see Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes play. But there is something to be said about this game all of a sudden is looks much more winnable for the Packers, which is, oh, you know, you want to win as many games as you can. So uh, just to start with the game this weekend, the Packers are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, so, again, being favored this week, everything has changed now that Patrick Mahomes is no longer the quarterback this weekend. Uh, it'll be interesting. Matt Moore starting this weekend as of right now, the, what we know for – for the Chiefs, and it's one of those interesting things in which, you know, you talk about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and how how well they've worked together, but keep in mind that just because Patrick Mahomes isn't playing, obviously the player is what does it, but don't think for a second that Andy Reid, one of the best offensive minds in the game, if not the best, is not going to have Matt Moore on 10 days getting ready for this Green Bay defense. Don't think that it's just going to be a cakewalk because, you know, Green Bay's defense Sunday against the Raiders, they played a lot of bend but don't break. Uh, that could have easily been a very close shootout game with the Raiders the way the defense was playing. Uh, a Derek Carr fumble into the end zone was, you know, a big turning point in the game for the defense. They had an interception in the end zone by Kevin King, and they had the goal line stand. That's 21 points that, you know, maybe another inch – different play call, whatever. That could be 21 points you're adding to the Raiders right there, and that's what, 21, 17, I'm not good at math. What, uh, about 38 points or something like that? So, you know, the defense has played Ben, but don't break. But So, Maggie, starting there, what do you think Matt Moore brings to this Chiefs offense, and how do you expect him and his play to impact the game on Sunday obviously it's not Patrick Mahomes but again I don't think it's something that we can just look at and say well because Patrick Mahomes isn't playing this will be easy well it is really tricky because I mean Pat Mahomes is the reason for all of the stats that we're seeing for this Chiefs offense so the Chiefs offense was third in points per game third in yards per game first in passing yards per game and all of that is because of Pat Mahomes and then if you look at their rushing yards per game, they're all the way down at 25th. So while that bodes well for the Packers, since their run defense is a little bit suspect compared to their passing defense, which has been pretty good, you know, that's a matchup that the Packers might need to exploit since the Chiefs aren't able to run the ball, which is probably something they'd like to do more, not having Patrick Mahomes under center. But, you know, Mahomes was on fire already to start the season. 15 touchdowns, one interception only. Um, he had just gotten Tyreek Hill back. Um, from his injury. So that was another weapon for that already explosive offense. Um, and this Packers defense hasn't done too well against tight ends. They kind of have matchup problems. Look at what uh, Waller did to them, you know, last week against the Raiders. And now they're going to play arguably one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end in Travis Kelsey on Sunday night. So there's a lot going into this game. And I think if Matt Moore can just be a game manager, he doesn't necessarily need to be a superhero and he's not going to compare it to Mahomes. So I don't think 
he can expect to play like Mahomes. But if he can be a game manager while Mahomes heals, I don't necessarily think that the Chiefs will fall off like some people might expecting them to be. I think this will still end up being a really close game. Well, and, you know, Maggie, you mentioned it, and Jacob, I'd like to kind of know, you know, Maggie mentioned that the the Chiefs' rush offense is not the greatest in the world, which, as Maggie alluded to, works well for this Packers' run defense, which isn't great. But given the fact that Mahomes is not playing, Matt Moore obviously is not anything close to what Patrick Mahomes is, do you expect to see the Chiefs have a game plan that really attacks a weakness of the Packers that isn't that great? And I guess, how does this defense look at the run game this week, knowing that, okay, obviously you prefer to dare Matt Moore to beat you through the air. So how, how does, how, what is the run game going to look like? Are the Chiefs going to be able to run the ball against the Packers' defense, and how much of that do you expect them to actually just attempt to do strictly based on matchups, knowing that Matt Moore is not Patrick Mahomes? That's a really good question because it's kind of interesting. You can't really load up the box – against the Chiefs to stop the run because Tyreek Hill's on the outside. Tyreek Hill's really fast, guys. Uh, <laughs> guarding him down the field is is difficult, uh, and that's even more so the case if Darnell Savage is not able to go. We'll see. We haven't seen an injury report or anything like that yet. I'm interested to see because I, I've watched a lot of Andy Reid. My dad was an Eagles fan growing up. Andy Reid got hired when I was eight years old. And I watched the Eagles a ton when I was a kid because they were on a lot because they're in the NFC Championship game all the time when Andy Reid was there. So I got to see them a lot. This is the guy who used to always say short passes are basically an extension of your running game. And I wonder if that's something that he'll still try to employ. I know he does quite a bit of that kind of stuff in Kansas City. Obviously, Green Bay is going to want Matt Moore to try and beat them. I mean, let's be let's be frank, guys. Matt Moore is the worst quarterback that the Packers have faced this season. He's a backup. And people say Matt Moore is a good backup. Well, what is a good backup really? He's a crappy starter. That's really what that ends up meaning more often than not. You want him to try and beat you through the air, but at the same time, Kansas City knows. I mean, Andy Reid's not stupid. Nick, you brought up the Matt Moore has 10 days. I think that the biggest key for Green Bay is going to be to survive that initial punch because I'm willing to bet you more than anything. There's going to be – The first drive of the game, the Chiefs are just going to slice and dice down the field. They'll score a touchdown, maybe kick a field goal, but probably score a touchdown. And everybody's like, wow, what a start. What a game plan from Andy Reid. And I wouldn't be surprised about that at all because they've had this long to prepare for the Packers, and that just seems the case. What the Packers need to do is survive that initial surge because I think that will happen regardless of the opinion that I have on Matt Moore. To answer your question directly about the running game, LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams, I mean, the Chiefs, Running backs are a dime a dozen, and I do believe that, but there are difference makers at that position. Uh, For example, um, I mean, Zeke Elliott in Dallas, for example, is a difference maker, just to say that. And they lost a difference maker last season, which is, I mean, obviously the fault of Kareem Hunt. He's a disgusting person, but that's something that the Chiefs haven't really been able to recover from on the field. And that's because LaShawn McCoy is – over 30. Damian Williams is an okay player, but not the player that Kareem Hunt was in that offense. So I think that some of their lack of usage of their running game is kind of by design just because they have some guys back there, but they're not that guy, so to speak. They don't have somebody as good as Aaron Jones, uh, for example, which I know brings a smile to Nick's heart as I say that. But uh, I think that 
I think ultimately Green Bay is going to have to try and say, if Matt Moore beats you through the air, so be it. You know, Green Bay's secondary is relatively healthy. If Savage is back, they're completely healthy. You'd like to think you can match up with those receivers against a bad quarterback. Well, and, you know, the running game, obviously, again, something that Andy Reid's not necessarily known for creating a spectacular running game. But, again, you know, you mentioned the lack of depth they have there. It's something Green Bay should look to take advantage of. Maggie, I want to flip to the other side of the coin here with the defense, which is the passing game, something that uh, from Sunday against the Raiders, neither of the Smiths had a sack against Derek Carr, and for the most part, um, they didn't, as a team, get a whole lot of pressure on the Raiders. And so I'm wondering... And you saw exactly what it led to, which was big chunk pass plays. And so when we're looking at the Chiefs here, obviously they have wide receiver weapons. How well Matt Moore can utilize them becomes the question. But when we look at the pass game, when you're looking at kind of what – and it's it's always difficult because they kind of rely on each other. You have coverage sacks. Right, which is the back end of the defense doing their job to allow your pass rush to get to the quarterback. And then you have, you know, I, I don't know if there's a term for it, and forgive me if there is and I don't know it, but then there's just harassing the quarterback and forcing him to make bad throws because you're getting there so quickly. So when you look at the lack of a pass rush that the Packers had this past week, these big chunk plays, if they're gonna if the Chiefs are going to get these big chunk plays in the pass game like the Raiders did, is it gonna be because the secondary isn't holding up as well, or is it gonna be that the front line of Green Bay is not getting as much pressure? I think that it's just one of those things that's bound to happen. And I know the Broncos have not been phenomenal this season. Um, but Matt Moore, right when he came in, threw a touchdown bomb to Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is just so fast that what maybe would have been like a 20-yard gain for a normal wide receiver or a regular wide receiver turns into a touchdown for Tyreek Hill because he's just so quick he can get behind defenders. And Jair is fast, but I, you know, it's just one of those matchups that they have to be really careful for, and they probably will want to play safeties deep instead of loading the box, given the fact that they do have such speedy targets um, on the Chiefs' offense. So... I do think that that is an issue for the Packers um, kind of figuring out, you know, getting pressure. I don't think that the Packers will go another week without a single sack. Um, I thought that was kind of an anomaly for this defense. Um, But I do think, I mean, we saw it happen with Detroit and then we saw it happen again with Oakland. This is a defense that's allowing big plays, but then they're shutting things down in the red zone. So this is a top 10 red zone defense. I believe they're top three in goal-to-go situations. Uh, they have eight interceptions right now with three. Kevin King leading the way uh, with his third um, against the Raiders. So they are giving up those chunk plays, and they are giving offenses the ability to get into scoring position. But then they're really playing better on a short field, and whether that's getting pressure or stopping the run when they need to or making heads-up plays like Blake Martinez, forcing Carr outside, which led obviously to the fumble touchback. Um, they the Raiders had three trips to the red zone and they didn't capitalize on any of them. So I think that's a testament to this defense. And I know we call it bend, don't break. And it's been a lot of bending the last couple of weeks. But the fact that this defense has held so many teams to such minimal points bodes well against a backup quarterback, 
even in a hostile environment like Kansas City. Yeah, well, again, agreed. I I hope that you are right in the fact that they kind of figure some things out. I sincerely hope you're right that the Packers don't go another game this season without a sack. That would be very sad. Um, (laughs) But nonetheless, so I just want to wrap up here real quick. Uh, Looking at the defense versus this Chiefs offense, both of your opinions here real quick. Maggie, I'll start with you. Is it more important for Green Bay to be better in the pass game this week, or do you feel they need to shut down the run in order to be kind of the key for the victory for the defense this week? I think that they need to shut down the passing game. I mean, we've looked at the Vikings game where the Vikings put up absurd numbers in the running game. They came one tipped pass away from tying a game against the Eagles where they were running all over the field. Um, But what really matters was those lockdown corners, forcing interceptions, forcing turnovers, bad throws. Um, Look at how Dak played when he was forcing the ball. You know, a pick fell into Jair's lap. So affecting the passing game and a backup quarterback in Matt Moore, I think, is more imperative for this defense than shutting down an average, at best, running attack. All right. And, Jacob, for you – I'm assuming you're going to agree with Maggie here, but what's the key for this Packers defense this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to quote my esteemed colleague and my publisher at Packer Report, and that's Ross Uglum. He once told me that this is the National Football League and running the ball doesn't blank matter, and that's pretty much true. Maggie just laid out the reasons why. The Eagles, okay, so you can't get beat over the head with a club by the running game and give up 200-plus yards rushing, sure. But it won't matter if Green Bay gives up 50 yards rushing on Sunday if Matt Moore is allowed to throw for 350 because it's more efficient to score through the air. It's easier to score through the air. Those are where the big plays are typically created. That's why when you look at the end of the year, if you look at the chunk plays, a lot more of them are passing plays than they are running plays. And that's just the reality of today's game. Uh, that's You can get beat by grounding and pounding, I guess. Uh, The Eagles found a way to do that. But like Maggie said, the Packers were one play away from tying that game. So it's pretty simple to me. They can't let Matt Moore gain that confidence. Now, I'm not saying that they can give up 300 yards rushing either because they can't do that. But they need to be able to slow down that passing attack because that's where – and the other reason is that's where the Chiefs' best weapons are. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. Those are all pretty good players. and LaShawn McCoy is a weapon, and he's more of a passing game weapon as a running back. So – that's where I'm looking. Can they shut down the guys in the air? I think they can. Slide a safety over to Tyree Kill because even Jair, Kevin King, whoever they throw over there, I don't think you can run with them. All right. Well, there you have it. So uh, lastly, very quickly here before we wrap up, do all of our closing stuff here. Uh, Jacob, we would mentioned maybe trying to do something here weekly uh, based on a theory that my wife has. So I'm, we'll just start it. We'll see what you guys think of it. You guys let us know on Twitter uh, who your vote would be for this week. But my, my wife has this theory that every team should have a personnel person that their only job is to give out hugs and have a puppy there for players that may struggle during a game. So uh, against the Lions, your hugger puppy person probably would have been Darius Shepard. He had a rough night, he needed a hug, and he needed a cute puppy to be there. Uh, So if we're looking back at the Packers-Raiders game from this past weekend, and it can go to anybody involved. So if you feel, Jacob, I know you had mentioned John Gruden probably would have liked it after he saw what Aaron Rodgers did to his defense. But Jacob, 
from this past Sunday's game, who would you give the uh, – got to think of a way to phrase it a lot better than what I'm doing, but your hugger puppy person to from last <laughs> week's game. Well, first of all, I wouldn't be – John Gruden is an insane person. So it wouldn't surprise me if he, like, threw the puppy. So in His the, in nickname the is of... literally after a horror movie icon. Right. So, and yes, I, you... I agree that he's an insane person. Yes, thank you for bringing up Chucky so close to bedtime. I didn't need to sleep tonight anyway. <laughs> so, especially close to Halloween like this. Um, the So, John Gruden, for the sake of safety for the puppy, I will keep it away from him. I am going – to go with the entire – actually, no, I take that back. I'm going to go with Gary on Conley. He sucked so bad on Sunday that they traded him to Houston. And then Gruden's reasoning was we wanted to, quote, look at better or younger players. It's like, well, Gary on Conley is only 23 years old. So what you're saying is this guy is so bad, I need him out of here. You get, he got beat by Jake Kumaro, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez. These, all these guys took turns beating him like a drum. So – by the end of the game, I didn't feel too bad for him because he's on the other team, obviously, but I felt bad enough for him. I, he could probably use a hug and a puppy. All right. And, Maggie, who would you give your hug and puppy to from this past weekend's game? Um, My puppy is going to the Super Smith Bros because they did not get to perform their Halloween sack, and I also deserve a puppy because I'm very upset because I wanted to see what that sack celebration that was Halloween-themed was going to be. You just want another puppy. I don't even have a puppy. I would take one. Well, so you want a puppy then. I want a puppy. <laughs> All right. Well, for mine, I'm going to need your guys' help because I certainly don't know who it is, and I feel that you guys probably do, and it's a self-inflicted one, but he probably wishes he could take a lot of things back and probably needs a puppy. Who was the uh, player from the Raiders that sacked Aaron Rodgers in the first quarter and then led to his team's death by doing the championship belt? It was Max Crosby. Yeah, I think he needs a hug and a puppy because I think if there's anything that we know about Aaron Rodgers, it is you do not mock that man's celebration because there's like legit history behind people doing that and then Aaron proceeding to absolutely murder that team throughout the rest of the game. So he probably could use a hug and a puppy. So – let us know if you have any names for like what we could call it because it's just kind of blurting out of my mouth and doesn't sound <laughs> that great. But I don't have a name for it right now. Let us know what you guys think about it. If you have any names uh, that we could call it, let us know. If you have people in mind that could use a hug and a puppy after last weekend's game, let us know as well. You can comment. Uh, make sure you're following the Pack-A-Day podcast on Twitter, at Pack-A-Day podcast. You can comment there. Um, and so real quickly, we'll wrap up here, guys. Maggie, Jacob, people want to follow your work, Maggie. How can they do that? I am on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, and I write for Cheesehead TV. And apparently everyone on the internet now feels the need to tweet me constantly that I would die for Matt LaFleur. So once again, guys, I would die for Matt LaFleur. <laughs> yes. We are making T-shirts, damn it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> T-shirt spending. We'll see how it turns out. Jacob, if people want to follow you on Twitter, follow your work, how can they do that? Yeah, I'm at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter. You can find me at Packer Report, which is at Packer Report 66. Uh, I also have written something on Matt LaFleur and pointed out that Maggie would die for him several multiple times. times multiple, times. Yeah. multiple times on multiple different platforms. So <laughs> 
Uh, I had a little extra time on my hands today, I guess. And I also have my own YouTube channel with Jason Perone of Pulse of the Pack. So you can check us out, which is Pulse of the Pack. So we have a lot of stuff throughout the week. Gambling, fantasy football, regular football, all kinds of stuff. So find us there. There you go. And you can follow me on Twitter at SportsMitty, which, again, Jacob. Uh, no, there's a point now. Okay. okay. Yeah, all right. So point. there is a point. <laughs> it's not. It's not a completely worthless follow? No, no. I mean, you have to deal with some – Tom Brady related nonsense but I mean once you get past that it's not so bad there you go well and uh, if you want to send uh, you know ideas for players of who could use a hug and a puppy you can also follow my wife on Twitter at fish and Schmitz <laughs> so that's become a thing too with this with this podcast group here my wife is now the third most popular person with this podcast moving me to fourth so yes <laughs> yes we don't have to argue about who's one and two here but uh so maggie one annie like one a jacob three nick four yeah, and it's a distant four so you know Matt Lafleur is number one yes. Andy and i are tied for second and there then we go like arm wrestle yeah so uh, but anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, make sure that you are following the podcast, like I said, on Twitter, at Packaday Podcast. Make sure you are subscribing to the Packaday Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, wherever that may be. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.